Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. I'm excited to have Maura Donahue with us. Maura is a member of the Wait a Minute community newsletter, which you can sign up for at wadebrill.com. And she won a raffle to be a guest on the podcast. And I'm so excited to be able to connect with her because it's so fun to get to know people behind the names and emails that are on my newsletter list and to hear how amazing they are and what they're doing and creating is just so inspiring. A little bit more about Maura is she is a public affairs communication and wellness professional. She integrates two specialties to lead work focused on accessibility, social responsibility, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her goals are to contribute to creating a world better than the one she was born into and to share her voice to create inclusive opportunities for those who have been marginalized, especially people with disabilities. In our conversation with Maura today, we talk about 2020 and the year she had. It was a disruptor, but also an opportunity to connect more with family and with herself and all of the lessons that she learned along the way. So settle in to this episode and enjoy. Welcome to the Centered in the City podcast, Maura. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wade. I'm thrilled to be here. So we dive in. I'd love to begin by asking you, what does being centered mean to you? Feeling centered, it's a feeling to me. And I describe it as a sense of calm. Mm. It's, it's almost like that the most physical sensation is a nice inhale and an exhale. Mm. And it's that almost like a light smile and being able to just embrace the senses and notice the movements around, whether it's, you know, the, the sounds, you know, a wind or the dog that's barking or the things that are moving about when I feel my life or my motions are a bit chaotic. I don't notice everything or I'm hyper vigilant to things that are going on and hyper aware. And when I feel very centered, there is that bit of ease that carries Mm. through with me through my days. I love how you just describe that from the sensory perspective and 
yeah, I can, as you described it, it's like the swirl, the noise of life and where you can just really slow down. I love what you said of that gentle smile, the inhale, the exhale. Tell us a little bit, you experienced a lot of change in 2020 as a lot of humans did, but tell us a little bit about how your world kind of twisted upside down and left and right and, and where you kind of are right now. Sure. And you might hear some of that change in my background because some of that in change involves people and those people are going to be coming, I'm noticing in and out of my, my home and one of those humans or those beings is a dog and he might start barking. So we get get to practice being centered right here. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I kind of defined my 2020 as a year of transition and part of that involved a, a job loss. It also involved deciding that in the midst of in the midst of COVID, really examining what was important to me and where where my place was in this world, geographically, where my values were positioned, and where I was needed, and where I needed where I wanted myself to be, where I needed to be myself. Mm. And so, job loss. I also located, um, and I for the first time in many years started to live with family, and. Um, my relocation went from being in a place that was a little less impacted by COVID to a place that was much more impacted by COVID mm. at, at the time. It was also going from being in a place that was in a more urban setting to a bit more of a um, less accessible in certain ways that I was used to or just different setting. And, um, you know, re-examining or repositioning my life. Everything was just very different. So there was a lot of transitions. I returned to school for my master's degree after many, many years of being away from school. So understanding how to learn how to study again, while simultaneously not just caring for myself, but caring as part of a a family, a familial unit, you know, and then still being able to continue to process where my emotions were around all of these different changes. Mm. Yeah. How did you land yourself? You said you, you know, were making change based on connecting to your values. So tell us a little bit about your internal or external experience of how you navigated this change. Yeah. Part of it is just always been family is forefront for me and, um, the people in my life are very important. Um, and self-care and caring. I, I consider myself um, in, in the self-care and ensuring that my health is prioritized as well is critically important. But family has always come to first. And, you know, I knew that people, that as much as I was impacted by life changes, my people and my loved ones were going to be impacted as well. So from You know, I had family members, siblings, and parents that were directly impacted by loss of services. I have a sibling with a disability who individuals with disabilities are hit very hard during any times where there's challenges. So if governments are reallocating services to other areas or funding, individuals with disabilities are likely one of the first populations that are Mm. burdened or hit. Their services are cut. During COVID, they're also a very... um, 
vulnerable population from a health perspective too. So ensuring that, you know, people are still having access to social outlets and being very present. Although I can be present from a distance and I always have been, physically being in person was important for me. Mm. Um, my partner is a teacher. And so um, we have lived many of our years at a distance, um, but being near each other, even if we weren't in the same vicinity, also felt that it was um, critical at a time where um, I knew that he was going to be facing different challenges in the classroom than uh, the typical um, typical ones that he would face in a normal year. So it was, it was certainly not an easy decision to make, but it was, it was one that just felt right. And I think that sometimes you can't always put a finger on why you have a gut decision, but sometimes you just know that even when things feel scary or you're still mourning why you make something, make a decision or you make a move, um, it's, it's right for that moment. And so how have you been navigating this new phase as, you know, we're now in 2021 and we're almost halfway into the year, which is just mind blowing. How have you been navigating this new chapter, especially as life is beginning to kind of open back up and we're in this new phase? Part of it's trying to be patient and thinking very mindfully about how how I feel about everything and, and being okay if, if I feel that I'm not comfortable with something. More kind with my probably have been in the past. Part of it has been setting a really nice schedule. You know, we have, and I say nice schedule, setting that almost like I've done it very well. I've certainly have had moments where it's been easier and more challenging, but maintaining that goal of having a regular cadence or a regular regularity in life has been beneficial. It's been incredibly important for me to make extra effort to connect with people and in different ways. And I think it's wonderful that people have prioritized connectivity this past year over different technological outlets. And in many ways that has made relocating easier than it would have been in a more traditional year. So I've maintained my connections to my communities that I might not have been able to if I had just picked up and moved when there wasn't a pandemic. Now that things are opening up, I certainly wonder how we're going to transition afterwards. But I also am able to see how where I'm at, there's gonna be new opportunities. And simultaneously, I think people are gonna maintain that openness to this, these hybrid models and understanding the, the breadth of accessibility that they do offer to individuals. After living home for, has it been a year or six months or how long has it been? We're at 14 months now. Okay, so over a year. So, okay, 14 yeah. months. And how many family members do you have that you're living with right now? Four total regularly, that includes me and a dog. And then intermittently, I'll have two more that come in and out. Okay. So kind of a full household yeah. and probably very different than your situation you were living prior to moving back home. And so now as we're like kind of opening up 
And I think your situation is not abnormal. I think a lot of people moved home, moved back with family, reconnected. And I've been noticing from either clients or friends who have moved home, they're now like scratching at the door to kind of get out to to spread their wings again or to expand. So I'm curious, like, how are you feeling as you're in, in 14 months in living with family? Yeah, I agree. It's certainly not an abnormality. I never anticipated being here, but not an abnormality. I have a mix of emotions. I feel very grateful because I never anticipated having this time again mm. and feeling, you know, I was always very connected to my family. Mm every single day, no matter where I've lived. And I've lived outside of the United States and I've lived in the United States. I've always spoken to my family members and that could be one time daily, that could be multiple times daily. But being here in person has offered this new depth to our relationships, mm -hmm. especially during this time. And, and we've become a real team. Mm -hmm. I certainly dream about different areas where I'll be again, but I don't feel a deep yearning that I need to leave at this instance or mm -hmm. that we need to part ways because I enjoy our time. And we joke because every so often the New York Times put out a newspaper or excuse me, they put out a newspaper every day. That's not mm -hmm. accurate. Um, every, every so often they put out an article in that newspaper about, you know, children moving home or parents moving in with children and, and all these new formations to families that are happening, whether because of the pandemic or whether because of the change in financial situations for people and just, just new formations to generations that we haven't seen in the past. And um, my parents and my siblings and I will laugh about um, how, you know, there's, there's never going to be empty nests for me or, or my parents again. I think I can only really speak for myself, but, but I have enjoyed the time. It's certainly, there's certainly been challenges and, you know, we've had different communications and we've had to, you know, we've, we've learned about each other's communications, but blessing that I don't think any of us would have anticipated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so special to think about being able to reconnect and live with family. Obviously, if you have a good relationship with family, I know a lot of yeah. people don't, but to connect with them as adults and to get to know each other as adults is so different than, you know, being siblings when you were kids or, you know, having that parent-child relationship. And now you can have kind of that more friendship-parent relationship, which I think can be so beautiful. Tell us how you use your movement and yoga background and athletic background to support you navigating these changes and also probably, you know, living at home with family, transitioning your career, like going back to school. Like, how have you used movement to support you here? Yeah. So I'm a big believer that movement and wellness meets you where you are at in the moment. And it's taken me a while to understand that. I describe myself as an athlete since birth, um, but it took me a while to find the wellness component of that and to learn mm -hmm. that we don't need to always push through, but we can listen to our bodies and understand how to listen to our bodies and realize that they are talking to us and then meet them there. So 
where I've come in the last year is really realizing that there's new forms of wellness and new forms of activities that have fit me better than some of my past. So for example, I've always been a huge runner and I love running. Um, I am starting to evolve my running again. It's starting to increase, but um, it definitely, I downplayed how much I ran for a while and I was really walking a lot. Um, another form of activity that I really embraced has actually been Zumba and dancing. And for those that know me, I'm not, I'm not a skilled dancer. I don't have a background in, in dance training, but there is this connection that I found between my, my mind and the way my feet move. And this just, it's just fun and mm -hmm. it challenges me. And the, the, the classes that I attend, um, there's people that go to them from all over the world that have been lovely. My yoga practice, you know, um, I've been practicing for since 2008 and um, leading yoga classes since shortly thereafter. Um, it's it ebbed and flowed throughout the pandemic. Um, I spent some time where I realized that I just didn't have the capacity to give what I needed to as a yoga instructor. And I didn't teach for a while. I took a break. Mm -hmm. um, and then realized coming back to my mat that I was ready again. And um, I've realized there's certain days where I need a breath. I need a long, longer class. And there's certain moments where I can come to the mat at a shorter, shorter cadence, a shorter time span. And I've appreciated that that's okay. Um, how I practice has, has evolved. I used to be a very vigorous vinyasa based yogi. I'm much more gentle with my body and, and I've embraced that. I, you know, I don't push myself in certain ways, almost like an athletic yogic style. Um, and there's a lot more listening that's incorporated into it. But one of the greatest things, and this translates back to that connection bit, which I think has been a driving force throughout the year, whether it's with people in my many communities or in my household, is actually my brother who I mentioned who has Down syndrome has started teaching yoga with me. Mm. So I am part of a virtual sanha, which means community or family in Sanskrit. And we are a group of individuals from around the country. And at the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, we launched this practice where we started every day hosting a workout class. And some of these individuals were long time yoga teachers or fitness instructors. And we just talked to each other. And some of these people had never taught classes before, but they just loved to exercise. And all of a sudden they became hit high intensity in interval trainers, or, you know, they would share the workouts that they did daily with our little group. Well, as part of this, um, I would lead yin classes and my brother would come with me. And so now we co-teach and it's evolved throughout the year. And this has been a really powerful experience for both of us. And I think also for 
I mean, definitely for me, it's been beautiful to see him flourish and just gain his voice. We taught a class last night and it's come to the point where he's identifying, you know, the parts of the body that are opening up in certain poses and talking to people before class and interacting. And we connect to create our practices, to create our themes, and we talk about the class afterwards. And so um, it goes beyond our mat. It's almost like living our yoga together. Wow, you just shared so many beautiful things there that I want to circle back to. And one of them being this element of athleticism, quote unquote, you know, that pushing, the training, the doing, doing, doing. It sounded like that took a shift for you this last year and it became more of this gentle, like listening letting your body tell you what you wanted to do or how you wanted to move versus kind of more of a strict um, athletic training schedule. Does that feel accurate? Yeah. And actually I I'll share this little, little story. I was actually forced to do that. And um, so right before COVID hit in the summer of 2019, now that I have to remember dates, everything blurs together, I had a brain injury. And it was the first time in my life where, you know, I've had injuries before at different times, broken feet and stuff. But having a brain injury, I had no options. Mm. I could not run. I could not, you know, I had to relearn my cognitive skills and relearn how to walk. And walking became a really great outlet for me. And I learned how to put one foot in front of the other. And in doing so, I was able to, it really forced me to slow down mm. and appreciate everything around me and see like, like these neighborhoods that I had run, like sped through mm-hmm. and sped through life. Like I had always sped through life, everything I had done. And now all of a sudden I was seeing parks that I had just, I mean, I'd always pass through, but like there were trees there that I had Mm -hmm. literally never seen. And it was, it's been a very challenging experience and, you know, painful recovery, but it's also, there's a lot that's come out of it that has been lessons about listening to my body. And that is certainly translated into how I've lived through the pandemic and understanding what it feels like to take things at a different pace. Wow. Yeah. So you had, you had an injury experience that kind of forced you to have this slowing down moment, but I'm also hearing it sounded like it became a gift to be able to transition that those skills, that awareness into kind of navigating the chaos of 2020. I can totally relate to what you said, not having a brain injury, but of even just in the pandemic, you know, doing the same walk hundreds of times. And I finally did the same walk uh, during a silent meditation retreat I was doing from home. And because I wasn't talking on the phone, listening to a podcast, walking with somebody, I noticed so many different things just by not talking, just by allowing myself to be in this slightly slowed down vibration and how much, you know, how many new things awoke. And I was like, what? This is crazy. A walk that I've done hundreds of times this last year. So yeah, I love that you just 
you know, pinpointed that. And then also wanting to share what a beautiful experience it must be to be able to teach yoga with your brother and to be home and enjoy the space and to support each other. It sounds like finding your voices in this, this new chapter that we're navigating. What, what are you learning about yourself? Every day feels like there's new lessons. I've never identified with being, I've, I feel like I'm a very patient person and simultaneously not a patient person all at the same time. I can totally relate. Yeah. (laughs) And I've cultivated a new sense of patience with the unknown Mm. because every day feels the same and every day feels different. And I like to, I like to understand what's coming. I prepare for the unknown, but I understand what's coming and you can't always do that now. And I'm learning that I can go with it. You know, I've always known I can, but there's this new like calm. There's this new kind of shimmy through life. Um, a malleability, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. And just, you know, looking back, like would never have anticipated this is where we would be now. But at the same point, like, I'm okay with it. And so a lot has, I'm, I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason, whether they to, are to protect us from things happening down the road or, you know, to learn something from them. We always learn something and that's how I live my life. And so I'm, there has been times where I've been disappointed in the last year or upset, and there's certainly been grief, but at the same time, there's a lot that I've been very grateful for. I think this last year taught a lot of people and showed a lot of people, right, that there can be gratitude and grief at the same time. And the lesson then becomes, you know, how can we hold both of those at the same time? Because obviously one feels more pleasant than the other, but both really serve a purpose and serve a lot of teaching within them. Yeah. And I think that we can do a lot with our movement and our wellness practices to appreciate and embrace those, whatever we're feeling from grief to gratitude to whatever spectrum of emotion is going to cultivate itself within us and finding ways to identify that. For me, oftentimes it does come from my movement practices and my wellness practices. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about what you notice your movement and wellness practices, how they support you there. Yeah, it creates space, it creates expansion. And like I said, it it evolves in the moment. So sometimes now that I'm back to running a little bit more, I really do crave, crave running. I find that I have what I describe as my light bulb moments when I go for a jog, but it doesn't have to be that. And, and it's not only that for me, it's the compliment of being on the quote unquote mat or practicing yoga to match the breath with my movement, but matching the breath to movement, we can find that in different ways. We could find that walking, we could find that dancing, we could find that doing kickboxing. We can find that, you know, being in the woods, um, 
and gardening, all these different parts of our life, even putting away groceries, if that's the space we need. And sometimes it's with other people and sometimes it needs to be, you know, siloed and alone. And I think that the key or the string that's tying this all together comes back to listening to ourselves and building this intuition. And we, we tend to, we live in a culture where we gravitate a lot towards quantitative information and trying to really nail down, okay, what's our why? What's the reason this is happening? And there's not always a reason when it comes to intuition or our gut feeling and rebuilding that connection to the intuition and rebuilding the connection to trusting mm-hmm. this, this, maybe this feeling that this is right for today. So for example, today, traditionally, I would go for a jog this morning and then I would practice yoga. Well, today I wasn't feeling up to going for a jog. So I recasted my morning and it took me a little bit of mental processing to to get there a little bit. Um, But listening to myself and knowing that was the right decision and, you know, later I'll be doing something else but I took my dog for a walk and I listened to a book and then I put that book on pause and took a breath. And that was like the best way I could have started my day. And I got back to what we talked about earlier, my centered feeling. Mm, That's beautiful. The listening piece is so key because there isn't one size fits all for a wellness practice or self-care practice or movement practice. Even when it comes to nourishment and and feeding ourselves. And I think that is the biggest lesson. That's something I try to work with my clients on and, and within Centered in the City, the platform is really the empowering people to turn inwards to listen because that gets to be what's sustainable and lasting. And as you said earlier, right, the body's talking to us all the time. And are we just listening and being able to pay attention? in a very chaotic world where our attention is being pulled everywhere, can we give ourselves attention is such a lesson and a practice in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes time. So that's where it comes to like being patient with ourselves and and being kind. You know, we cast so much kindness for others around us. It's just as important to be kind with, with ourselves. So true. Well, thank you, Maura, for being on the podcast today. If people want to learn more about you, your yoga classes, the work that you're doing, even join your amazing class, it sounds like that you and your brother are facilitating, like, how can people find you and stay connected? Please. Yes. First off, thank you for having me. It's been a joy being here. Um, please find me on Instagram. It's at MK Danahy. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm basically the Mora, only Mora Danahy anywhere. So it's Mora Danahy. And I have some new announcements coming up soon as far as new websites, new information. So if you find me on any of those platforms, all of that'll be coming up. And I'm, I'll be sharing all my information about my classes and, and other ways to connect there. Thanks so much for listening to the Centered in the City podcast. 
We would love to continue the conversation with you. So head on over to Instagram and join Maura and I. Share this episode with anybody that you think would resonate or would be helpful. Also, if you feel like leaving a review, I would so appreciate it. Until next time, stay centered.